This is Check Us Out, the podcast of the Montclair Public Library. I'm Peter Coyle, Director of the Library. Thanks for listening with us this month. As you may be aware, we recently started curbside pickup of materials here at the library. Please visit montclairlibrary.org for information on how you can request your items and schedule a time to pick them up. In today's episode, Molly's going to talk about career resources we have online, and Marisa is going to talk about a program that the adult school is offering called Next Level Networking. You may also be aware that summer reading has started, so if you haven't signed up, please visit montclairlibrary.org to sign up today. The program runs through the middle of early August. Ken will talk about new books that you can request and get on curbside pickup. And Kirsten's going to talk about some new releases that she has read for young adult and children. These are available as ebooks or e-audio. And lastly, Ariel's going to interview Anthony De Palma about his new book, The Cubans. All right, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to our programming segment of the our Check This Out podcast. I am Maurice from the Adult School Department. And I'm Molly from the Adult Services Department. And uh, we're going to switch things up this time. I'm going to tell you about the little-known resources that you have with your library card that you might not know about. Today, I'm going to talk about your career resources. There's quite a few that you get with your Montclair Public Library card. And I'm just going to kind of gloss over each one, and then I'll put a link in the description when we upload this so you can see more information. But we have a whole variety. Ferguson's Career Guidance Center is a great one. That's for Monker Library card holders. And I like that one a lot because it gives you a lot of information about various industries. So if you want really good, reliable information about a particular field, say you are interested in becoming an auto mechanic or a lawyer, I like this resource because you can just go there and see really reliable, up-to-date information on what is it actually like to be in this industry? How do you get there? What kind of education do you need? What kind of experience do you need? And to me, that's just less overwhelming than kind of Googling randomly. So I'd highly recommend that. It also has information for students, like about scholarships and internships and such. Very good resource. That's with your Montclair Public Library card. You also have access with your Montclair Public Library card to Learning Express. And this is another one that's both for professional resources and student resources. There's a lot of test prep. So from your standardized test to your career tests, you've got a lot of resources to really prepare for those important exams in your life. And then within Learning Express is another resource called Job and Career Accelerator. The nice thing about that one is that particular module of Learning Express is available to all New Jersey library card holders. It's an add-on and it's available through the state library. So even if you don't have a monthly library card, maybe you live in a um, nearby town, you can use your home library card to access that. And that's even more help with creating resumes and cover letters and other exam prep. Also a great resource. Also has um, job listings within there. So you got a, kind of a one-stop shop situation. Another one, speaking of resume prep, that is awesome is tutor.com. Tutor.com, it makes it sound like it's just for students, but it's also for career prep, whether you're a student or you're out of school. There's an awesome resume review service. You can create a resume, you submit it, and then you get feedback on it from a, you know, a career coach expert. In addition, there's also resources for students. There's live homework help and tutoring, more test prep, more career information. Such a good resource. That is for Montclair Library card holders exclusively. 
I have two more. I'm almost done. I can't, I can't believe how many awesome resources we have. I'm almost out of breath. But we also have lynda.com. That's a new acquisition, and that was really generously sponsored by our Montclair Library Foundation. And this is an awesome resource. It's also, you might have heard of it as LinkedIn Learning. It is part of the LinkedIn family. And this has online classes that are free that are centered on various like business, software, technology, and creative skills. For example, search engine optimization, Adobe Photoshop, all kinds of skills that you might see in a job posting that you're really excited about, but maybe don't know too much about. Um, you can really brush up on these skills and you can even, if you have a LinkedIn profile, I'm pretty sure you can even like, if you complete the course, you can add, you know, that you did the course to your profile and just, it helps kind of make you a more marketable candidate or just learn something new, even if you're not looking for a job. So much good information on there. And I was I was dabbling in different subjects of interest and the instructors are just fantastic. They really make it very easy to follow. And I have one more and it's called Reference USA. And I love this resource. It's great for job seekers because it has job postings, but you also can do a ton of really in-depth research on various companies and see you know, if it's a company that you might like to work for. You can find out more information about the people that work there if you wanna follow up on an application. Really in-depth information about businesses that you can't really find just on the web. And that's another New Jersey State Library database and that's free to any New Jersey Library cardholder. You can also enable geolocation and you don't even have to enter your card every time if it knows you're in New Jersey, you're all set. So. That's my spiel. Um, there's such good resources out there. I think this is an important time to take advantage of these resources or just check them out. They're great for students and they're great for job seekers. And we'll put all the information in the description. But yeah, <laughs> that's it, Maurice. Back to you. <laughs> there's a lot of need resources like that. You know, people who are, you know, either in between jobs or looking to transition to other careers. You know, that those are very important resources. And all other resources, you know, relatively you know, free with the library card. That's a very, you know, important resource to take advantage of. That's a major plus for MPL. You know, we've lost those things with the adult school um, this summer coming. You know, we're, we're doing a, uh, what we're going to call next level networking with LinkedIn and other tools. So people who are job seekers who are looking for, maybe even to transition to another career or to, you know, looking to get into another job where they are. That is an important skill that the modern job seeker needs to understand how to leverage some of these social networking platforms that are out there. Obviously, the, the most the most known, the most useful for the modern job seeker, of course, is LinkedIn in terms of uh, career searching. But there's also some new resources that have come on since then, and these are they're very valuable tools. So uh, Jennifer Rogers, who is our career instructor, will be taking students through these tools and teaching sort of best practices for how to use these tools to maximize job searches. And that will be a paid class that will be held on Wednesday, July 8th at 1 p.m. online course. You can register at adultschool.org. And on that note, we will be beginning our summer session on Monday, July 6th. That's when classes start. And registration will be, is currently available at adultschool.org. We'll be offering classes in instrument instruction, art, gardening, finance, and photography, among others. And I want to highlight uh, just a few classes, uh, particularly some of the, the free classes that should be uh, you know, very informative, also a lot of fun for the community. First up is History of Montclair's Essex County Parks. 
Kathy Call, who's archivist for Essex County Parks, led a well-intended informative lecture in the summer, or sorry, the spring, I should say, for Essex County Parks. And she's returning to discuss the Essex County Parks, particularly in Montclair, which I didn't know, but it's actually second to, uh, to only to Newark and municipalities have the most Essex County Parks. Oh, I didn't know. Well, more Essex County Park, yeah, but they're almost like a to Newark and Essex County Park. So that's uh, that's a major fund the cap of Montclair as, as a town. This is a free lecture. It's going to be on Tuesday, July 14th at 11 a.m. Also, we'll be welcoming back astrophysicist and professor Charles Liu. He returns to the adult school to lead, a, to lead 32nd Universe, which is a free discussion on his book of the same name. He'll be leading the discussion with his co-authors, Karen Masters and Sylvia Salor. They'll be offering plain spoken explanations of cosmic ideas like the Big Bang Theory, quantum realms, and the fate of the cosmos. His last lecture at the adult school, which coincided with the anniversary of the moon landing, was very well attended. You know, a lot of fun for children and for adults. So this is going to be a very, very fun, family-friendly lecture, very informative, and it's a free lecture. Again, it will be uh, Tuesday, August 8th at 6.30 p.m. So, yeah, but we'll be having a variety of classes going on for the summer. Our class will run through the month of July into early August. And we'll be have a lot different, hopefully a little something for everyone for the summer. You know, it's light and fun and informative. You know, people can pick up a, pick up an instrument or pick up a language. We'll be offering classes in Italian, two classes in Italian language, most popular. And we'll have some other craft class as well. We'll be making... Um, Special baskets for everyone. You know, people have the opportunity to make baskets online. A little fun craft class. Hands to work. It'll be all online. So it'll be very convenient and safe for everyone. Nice. And it sounds like uh, even though everything's online, we're kind of busier than ever. There's lots to do. There's summer reading, too. That's all online for <laughs> kids and for adults. Mm-hmm. You could win some pretty cool prizes. There's more kids' programs that are happening online. So we haven't really stopped despite our doors being closed so definitely check it all out yeah we're here to offer you know service for the community you know the community doesn't stop living life because of the pandemic so we have to continue to serve people you know in this pandemic you know and hopefully we'll be at the end of things pretty soon you know in the meantime you know people can be engaged excellent all right well this is molly and maurice signing off thank Take you for listening stay safe <laughs> stay, <laughs> stay safe listen, stay safe and healthy Enjoy your summer. Hi, it's Ken, and I have a bunch of new books to talk about this month, so let's get right to it. First off is the debut novel by Charlie Kaufman, who is better known as the screenwriter of Being John Malkovich, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and The Orchid Thief. His book is called Ant Kind, and it is about an erotic film critic. And is there really any other kind? who chances upon a stop-motion film which he is convinced will save humanity. The only problem is the only extant copy is accidentally destroyed, so he tries to piece it together from memory from a single frame that survives. It looks like a darkly humorous look at memory and obsession, and judging from his work in films, I'm sure it'll be somewhat mind-bending as well. Before I talk about the next book, I should point out that the title contains a colorful word, so parental advisory warning. It's a science fiction book by Jackson Ford titled Random Shit Flying Through the Air, which is the sequel to the equally colorfully titled The Girl Who Could Move Shit With Her Mind. Both feature 
Tegan Frost, a young woman with telekinesis who works for the government handling investigations that ordinary operatives are unequipped for. In the new book, she discovers a young boy in the Los Angeles area who has the ability to start earthquakes. She has to find him and stop him before he triggers the San Andreas Fault and causes untold damage to, to Southern California. It sounds like a sharply written sci-fi thriller. Despite her having written 15 books already, I have never read anything by the Swedish writer Camilla Lackberg, but she did an online Q&A early in the shutdown period and was so open and winning with the audience that I wanted to plunge into her work. Her new book is called The Golden Cage. It's about a woman who sacrifices her own professional ambitions to further her husband's business career, only to be put aside when he becomes successful. Her own violent past comes to the fore as she exacts her revenge on him. It sounds like he deserves everything he gets. If you've heard my past podcast segments, you know I'm a big fan of World War II adventures, especially those involving the French Resistance. Another star author I've never read before, Karen Robards, has a new one titled The Black Swan of Paris. A nightclub singer named Genevieve Dumont finds herself an unwilling favorite of the occupying Nazis. This puts her in an unenviable position since she is not trusted by members of the Resistance. When her mother's resistance ties lead to her being taken by the Nazis, Genevieve must walk a thin line between the opposing forces before information about the Allied invasion is tortured out of her mother. Another thing I'm a big fan of, no surprise, is books with a library theme. The Lending Library by Eliza Fogelson will certainly fit the bill. A small-town art teacher loses her favorite sanctuary when her local public library closes. She decides to start a small lending library operating out of her sunroom, and what begins as a hobby becomes very popular among her neighbors. When the possibility of a new romance and the chance to adopt an orphan child enter her life, she realizes that the answers in life don't always come from books. Author Kevin Kwan hit the jackpot with Crazy Rich Asians and its sequels. For his new book, he takes a look back at literary history and reworks E.M. Forster's classic A Room with a View. Instead of Venice and the English countryside, Sex and Vanity takes place in Capri and East Hampton. As in the original, Lucy meets George on, vo on vacation and falls for him, but circumstances keep them apart until they meet again several years later on the eve of her marriage to another man. I'm not sure exactly how Quan will handle the scheming that eventually brings these two together, but I'm sure it will be entertaining. And back to World War II for my last selection this month. I make yearly visits to London where my son lives, and one of my favorite regular destinations there is the Imperial War Museum. Last year, the IWM started republishing a series of out-of-print war novels under their own wartime classics imprint. The sixth in this series has just been published, titled Eight Hours from England. The author is Anthony Quayle, and if you're a film buff, that name might ring a bell. Quayle was a British actor who appeared in Lawrence of Arabia, Anne of a Thousand Days, and The Guns of Navarone, among many other films. The novel is based on his own experiences in special operations behind enemy lines in Nazi-occupied Albania in 1943. That's all for now. Enjoy your summer reading. Hello again. This is Teen Services Librarian Kirsten Payne. I'm highlighting several new releases today that you might want to add to your summer reading list and that are all available as either ebooks or e-audiobooks. First up, we have Again Again by E. Lockhart. This is a super highly anticipated new novel from the author of We Were Liars, Genuine Fraud, and more. 
like many of Lockhart's other books, Again Again follows the story of a teenage girl in crisis and uses time and memory in creative ways, this time by exploring different possible realities for the main character, Adelaide. Adelaide is dealing with fallout from her brother's opioid addiction, her family's separation, her own breakup with a boyfriend, and pressures from school. In short, a lot. To cope and self-reflect, she chooses to stay on campus at her boarding school during summer break rather than go home. Over the course of the summer and through multiple parallel timelines, she meets someone new and begins to repair her relationship with her brother and with herself. This book also explores some of the tensions Adelaide experiences as a middle-class Jewish student attending a predominantly very wealthy WASPy boarding school as a scholarship student. This title is available as an ebook and an e-audiobook on Overdrive. Next up, we have You Should See Me in a Crown, which is described as queer prom romance you didn't know you needed and is by Leah Johnson. It follows the story of Liz, a queer black teenager who spends her high school career throwing herself into academic and extracurricular achievement after being pushed aside by her best friend Jordan in favor of his new friends on the football team during freshman year. Cut to senior year, Liz is turned down for a much needed scholarship and decides to enter a competition to win prom queen and with it a $10,000 prize. During the course of competition, she develops feelings for another contestant and begins to work through her friendship with Jordan. A sweet romantic comedy that doesn't shy away from explorations of race, wealth, and sexuality, this title is available as an ebook. Next up, we have A Song Below Water, which is a complex new novel by Bethany C. Morrow, and it draws on themes of social justice and Black womanhood to tell a highly original fantasy story. Main characters Tavia and Effie have been raised almost like sisters, but both have secrets they don't share with the world or each other. Effie's is a family secret long kept by her grandmother. Tavia's is that she is secretly a siren in a society in which many supernatural beings exist, but sirens are the most persecuted. Though Effie is not a siren, she does play a mermaid at Renaissance fairs and is beginning to exhibit supernatural traits and powers. When a fellow young woman who the media claims is a siren is found murdered, Tavia and Effie work to support one another through the ensuing trauma and find a way to speak out against the injustices they both face. This title is also available as an ebook. Uh, finally, we have I'll Be the One by Lila Lee. For fans of K-pop, romantic comedies, and stories about body positivity, this book follows Sky, a Korean-American 16-year-old, as she competes in a K-pop competition show in Los Angeles. Through the course of the book, Sky navigates her relationship with her mother, learning to deal with online criticism from fans of the show, and a romance with a fellow contestant. This book is full of smart, current pop culture references, and will have readers reading for Sky as her confidence grows. And like our others, it's also available as an ebook. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back next month with more teen recommendations. Please be sure to enter our summer reading program and keep reading. Hi, this is Ariel, and I'm talking to Anthony De Palma, a local author who just came out with The Cubans, Ordinary Lives in Extraordinary Times. And it's about five different families in a kind of funky interesting borough of Havana called Wanabacoa. And through their lives, Anthony tells us about the history of Cuba and how ordinary Cubans cope with life from revolutionary times to now. So welcome, Tony. Hi, thank you. Great to be here. So when and why did you move to Montclair? Oh my gosh. Um, we've been in Montclair era since 1984. Um, before that, we lived in Weehawken. I'm originally from Hoboken. Miriam is originally from Guanabacoa in Cuba. 
And we came to Montclair originally because I was a freelance writer and I was contracted to do some work for the Florence and John Schumann Foundation when they were located on Park Street. And I didn't really know much about Montclair until I was invited to come out for the foundation and um, sort of fell in love with it. And she did too. This house that I made now is the house that we bought then. We thought it was originally going to be a starter house and we'd keep it for a while and move up. Then I was transferred to Mexico and Canada and other places. And we are still here, 1984 till now. Awesome. What's your favorite book or your favorite way to use the library? Well, if I turn this camera around, you would see that in front of me, I have a U.S. Postal Service poster from the 1970s dedicated to John Steinbeck. And it has been with me every place we've lived since before we got married. And Steinbeck, because he was a newspaper man and a novelist and a journalist, is sort of the um, my go-to writer. So to be at the library to look up one of his uh, small novels and maybe just read it right through, or to spend some time, uh, I just did, again, The Grapes of Wrath and East of Eden. Uh, I did both of those just last year. Uh, and then I also love to go to the library if we're planning a trip to see our kids out in St. Louis. We stop in and get some uh, books on tape uh, or the, the CDs. And uh, last time we did uh, Harlan Coben and Stephanie Plum to leaven it up a little bit, both from the library. What do you think is the best kept secret about Montclair Public Library? Uh, well, even for people in Montclair, they don't know that back in, uh, at the end of one of the, uh, uh, the stacks, there's this whole pile of maps and information about the town itself. So I, I've gone in there way in the back. Now, it may have moved since I was last there, but it was just, I would spend a sun, whole Sunday afternoon looking through the maps and sort of tracing back this house, which was built somewhere around 1906. 1906, it doesn't show on the map. And then the next one is, I think, 1909, and it's there. So somewhere in that time, and this whole area has changed uh, so much. We're not far from uh, Anderson Park, and, I, and there was part of this whole development. So that's back there, and it was incredible that you could just go there and, uh, and look at them. But also, I think the uh, Sunday talks that they've, uh, they've organized in the last couple of years, been to uh, several of them. And it's, it's the speakers are great, but it's also the way the audience interacts with them, because there's always great questions and people who are interested in who actually have read the books or know about the subjects and are eager to know more. And that's, uh, that's really the beauty. I always think of it as a New York Times kind of audience. I was at the Times for 22 years, and I've led uh, groups to Cuba of New York Times readers. It's always terrific because they can take a vacation anywhere they want, but they've decided to go to Cuba, not just to have a cigar and a, and a glass of uh, uh, rum, but to actually learn what's going on there. And it's the kind of questions and curiosity, intellectual curiosity that I see at the library that is so fortifying. Well, thank you. And you're bringing us very naturally to the topic of your book. I started it in 2017, right after the death of Fidel. Mm. Uh, I had written Fidel's obituary. It ran on the front page of the Times. 
Um, it was still the Obama opening to Cuba. Uh, so Americans were going back and forth much more frequently than we had. We had opened the embassy after 50 years of it being closed. We had reestablished diplomatic relations. And there was a real feeling that it was a moment now that Fidel had passed and his brother Raul, who took over, said that in another year, he was going to step down as president. So you were looking at an opportunity where for the last 60 years, practically the only voice we Americans heard from Cuba was that of Fidel. And we based our opinion on Cuba largely on what he said and how we interpreted what he said. It is impossible to understand the people of Cuba without knowing them. And with Fidel's voice suddenly out of the way, it seemed the right moment to go down and talk to people. Do you think there are any myths about this topic of Cuba and the Cubans? Oh, dozens. Dozens and dozens and dozens of them. My first trip to Cuba was in 1979. So, and I've been back uh, innumerable times. And before I started the book, I thought I knew Cuba pretty well. But I was surprised at a lot of, a lot of things. I guess the biggest conundrum that, that you come across when you talk about Cuba, and people have asked me this uh, on all of those uh, New York Times journeys trips, is basically this dichotomy. They'll say, well, look, if it's so good down there with universal health care and free education, with a socialist society that doesn't have any of that ferocious capitalism uh, where everybody is equal, and everybody is taken care of. If it's so good, why have so many hundreds of thousands of Cubans thrown themselves into the ocean at the risk of being attacked, lost, eaten by sharks, whatever, to get away? And to get away of all places to what they consider the enemy, the United States. On the other hand, if it's so bad, if the repression there is so bad, if the shortages are so bad. There's no food, there's no medicine, there's no gasoline, there's no diesel fuel, there are no cars except for the ones left over from 1958. If it's so bad, why aren't the people out on the street every day demanding that there be change? Now, we know that they're educated people. They sort of live with uh, a vibrancy in, in their music, in their, in their language. They're out all the time. They're not afraid of expressing themselves, but Except for one instance in 1994, they've never had a mass protest, and people sort of uh, have to figure out a way to do it. It's a real conundrum. And why do you, what do you think the answer to that is? Why? What, what I, I concluded after spending, you know, most of the last three years living among them, going back and forth, but spending my time right in the community, was that their greatest strength is also their most debilitating weakness. Their strength is that they have the ability to adapt to almost any condition, right? So I've seen incredible things. I've seen uh, motorcycles operating with a plastic soda bottle in place of a gas tank. Wow. You can get a gas tank. I've seen cars from 1958 that are held together in the most incredible ways. Gas tanks are particular problems because you can't really weld them because it's too dangerous. So once you get a hole in the gas tank, the only solution is to get another gas tank. They're not importing those. You can't go to Home Depot to get one. There is no Home Depot. So I saw this car driving with a bucket 
on the roof and a hose coming down into the engine and the driver holding the bucket because that's where the gasoline was. Many times the gasoline ends up being put in uh, the windshield washer container, you know, that little plastic tank that you have in the front. So they can adapt. They've learned how to adapt and they've been through 1994, what they call a special period when there was, they weren't, they didn't talk about blackouts where there was no electricity. They talked about only the time that they had electricity, which might be three hours a day for the rest of the time, there was no electricity. Uh, there was there was very little food, so they learned how to cook plantain skins and make them into something that was palatable. So they could adapt to anything. But by a, being able to adapt to anything, they develop a kind of a complacency that says, well, I'm not going to risk the very little bit that I have to demand change. I'll make do. I'll invent some way to get along. And I think that's where we are today after 60 years of an interminable revolution. I mean, to me, in some ways, the most interesting character in the novel is Carrie, who's the Afro-Cuban woman who goes to Russia to be trained as a young woman and comes back. And she almost can't be kept down. You know, all of, there are all of these obstacles and roadblocks in her way. And she even quits her government position, her secure government position. And she's, she almost can't not be successful mm -hmm. because of that resourcefulness. Yeah, she's, she's quite an, uh, an inspiring and, and incredible and absolutely courageous as a badger uh, person. Um, she rose to be vice minister of light industry for the whole country, keeping in mind that she was raised in a little sugar town in the eastern edge of Cuba in a place called Takaho, where they had nothing. Even today, I went with her. We drove uh, 16 hours in a pink 1956 Cadillac. And um, some of the people she grew up with are still there, uh, friends I mentioned in the book. And it is just as impoverished as it was then. So to think that she rose from that to, uh, to the level of light industry, a member, a high-ranking member of the Communist Party. And then at one point, when she had a sort of a, a revelation, gave it all up. And now she's a capitalist and proud of it. Uh, runs her own business, employs other people, and understands that when she renovated her kitchen while I was there, which to me, uh, I think there's hardly any more of a symbol of having reached the middle class than to be proud to show off the fact that you were able to redo your kitchen. Uh, right. but, her, but her neighbors couldn't. She got her old refrigerator and sold it to the staunch communist friend that she has down the street. That happened because at one point, she realized that she had been fooling herself for a long time that there really was equality. And in fact, there wasn't. And it's not because she wasn't getting treated as well as other people, but because she and her mother were being treated better than other people. And with her sense of justice, she realized that that kind of put the lie to the promise of equality. And once she started looking at that, then a lot of other things came apart uh, for her. Uh, this is something we always ask. 
tell us something surprising about you or something that's true about you that almost no one agrees with you on? I haven't been bothered by the quarantine or the lockdown at all. <laughs> uh, as an author, I'm sort of in this very room where I'm talking to you now uh, almost all the time anyway. My characters sort of exist in, in my head and in my notes. Uh, so Miriam, uh, Miriam and I have been together this year 50 years. She's, uh, as I said, born in Cuba, so she's quite open and likes to talk a lot. And sometimes she gets frustrated with me because I can go hours and hours and hours without saying anything. I think in part it's, you know, because I grew up in a family of six and, and I was at the, near the bottom of that. So there was always everybody else at the table making lots of noise. And uh, I made my own noise with my pen. But I really did love the book. And it's a pleasure to meet you and to talk to you. And thank, thank you. you so much for yep. uh, agreeing. Sure. And thanks for doing this. I, I appreciate it. Thanks. Right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye now. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Check Us Out, the podcast of the Montclair Public Library. We hope that you've learned something new about how your library card can be used to access our programs and services. We encourage you to visit our website, montclairlibrary.org, for more information about these programs, services, or to ask us something else. We're happy to help with other things that we didn't address in the podcast. Again, thanks for listening. Be well.